Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm going to ask this question like I work for Bally after the game. What was more impressive? Randy Orozarena's walk-off home run to open the ninth inning in a 2-1 to win over the Twins? Or the double play that was turned by Isak Paredes and Taylor Walls and then over to Luke Rayleigh that got them out of the uh, ninth inning in a tie game? Well, they didn't ask that question in the postgame. But mm-hmm. Mark Topkin did ask the following question. What was more impressive, Isak Paredes' part of the double play or Taylor Walls' part of the double play? Ah, now that's, that's the question. And so since it is the question, we're going to eliminate Poor Randy, who you know did Randy things, <laughs> just yeah. Sorry, dude, you're supposed to hit walk offs. So we expect it now. Um, he's had plenty of home runs, and then that one, that one was a flare for the moment. You know when he hit it, we'll get to the double play here in just a second. I promise. When he hit it, I was I was kind of watching it. It didn't. I'm not at the ballpark, so I can't. You know the sound. There's usually a sound. I didn't think it was a guarantee. Like no, oh, that that ball's long gone. He kind of knew it right away, and when you see the replay of him just kind of walking down first base, staring at it, and then when he goes out, he does the big bat flip. Like that was cool. Um, so yeah, when well, he did his huge. pose right before home plate, he didn't do it at home off of third yeah. base. He waited yeah. till he got home with all the players around, waiting to dump water and gum and whatever else on him, and that's when he paused. Popcorn. And, and you see the yeah. umpire standing there waiting because the umpire to has plate, to right? wait to make sure you touch the home plate. Right. <laughs> You know, I got to thinking about this. How long do you have? Like, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no clock. Home run clock. There's no, there's no run the round the bases clock, right? No. So if you think about that, you could stand there for eh, quite a while. I mean, he hadn't touched home. He didn't touch home. Yeah, but he hasn't gone home. He's still, <laughs> he's still making his way there. You know what I mean? So, it's, I'm curious about that. But no, let's not get sidetracked. Okay, the double play. Which was more? Which was more impressive? Um, I'm gonna say, and I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what Taylor Walls can do, but I'm gonna say it was Isak Paredes because not only does he make a tremendous stop of the ball, um, but his throw is close enough for Walls to turn it, and he's falling backwards on his knees towards the third baseline when he throws it. Like, I, it's in, it's impossible to tell the average person, first of all, how far 90 feet is when you throw a baseball, much less trying to get a guy that, you know, is going to run down there in under four seconds. Um, but for him to be close to the line like that and falling away on his knees and get it there, man, that's just the level of talent these guys have in the major leagues is unappreciated because they can do stuff like that, and it almost looks routine. But even by their standards, this was not routine. But Taylor Walls is at second base. He's got to stretch away from first base. I know, I know. Hold the bag, catch that ball. Yeah, yeah. And then get enough on the throw 
to first. His momentum's yeah. taking him away from first. Uh, yeah. He held yeah. the back. Then he's got to get enough on the throw to mm-hmm. get it to Luke Rayleigh to get the out. Mm-hmm. Now it helped the catcher was running. Yeah, it wasn't. For sure. It wasn't their fastest guy, but he's he's not the slowest guy in the world either. But he, he's definitely mm-hmm. not their fastest, so it helped. But the arm strength that Taylor Walls had, and the the ability to stretch one way and then turn back. I don't know how you say one was more impressive than the other. To be honest, well, just I guess they're both were very extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both extraordinary plays, and and Walls. I think we've gotten kind of numb to how good he is because. It doesn't matter where he plays in the infield, and I've talked about this. Like, it's not easy to go from the right to the left side. Um, the other thing that kind of pisses me off when I heard Walls talking after the game was like, "Yeah, I don't really even think about where my feet are or how I'm going to turn it." Like, what? Wait, what? Like, you realize that infielders spend careers and hours and years practicing all kinds of different turns at second base where based on where the runner is, you might want to come across the bag. You might want to put your right foot on the bag and plant your left foot, you know, and, and jump behind the bag and use the bag sort of as a protector of you. You may want to step backwards from the bag, have your have your left foot on the bag, step backwards and open up and throw to first. Like, there's a lot of different steps to that. It's, it's not routine. And everybody else, and he's like, no, nah, you know, I just kind of, just kind of go over there and get in position to make the throw. Like, like to be that adept at your body control and just kind of know where the bag is, it's stupid. But that now, so what was big about that play, of course, is that if it's not a double play, the twins take the lead right there. It's mm-hmm. two to one going into ninth. Yeah, which and, means and Jason still Adam more not only still blows the save, yeah, but would have been on the the line for the loss for the L. Yeah, which. I know that, and you talked about this before he came on, like, you know, Kevin Cash isn't mad about giving up one run. But Jason Adams' job is not to give up that run. <laughs> so you need three outs no matter what the score. It could have been 7-6, and you're still not supposed to give it up. And, of course, he did. But as a, on a whole, kind of a bullpen day, I guess, or very much a mm-hmm. bullpen day, um, you cannot ask more than what they did. I mean, they were. Every guy they threw out there was lights out. No, Armstrong so. started it. Cooper Criswell, or Criswell yeah. came in. Colin Poche looked really good. He looked good, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, all in all, your your bullpen day gave up one run. You hate yeah. to see it in the ninth when you only have a one run lead, but yeah. And Randy Rosarena quickly erased that. So, right, Armstrong. Armstrong was impressive. He's going to really help him. I think just getting him back. Um, you know, they also had uh, Robert Stevenson, who they just got from uh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He got him, got him in order in the seventh. So yeah, as a bullpen day, you couldn't have asked for much more. And uh, and of course, the defense that they had was uh, was terrific. So they're now above, back above seven hundred winning percentage at forty five and nineteen. Thank God, forty five and nineteen. Could they get to? Could they get to fifty? They'd have to win five more. Wouldn't it, I mean, if you got to fifty before you got to twenty losses, I mean, that'd be goodness. they'd have to go five and zero oh to do that. Five and zero, oh, yeah. With Texas be, this weekend, that's going to be tough. I mean, this this yeah. Rangers team is crazy good. Mm-hmm. Like the the offense they have is just, yeah. They they're stupid. Good. Ray's on pace for one hundred and fourteen wins right now. So, <clears throat> Jesus, 
They've got 106 home runs. Oh, 100 is it 106, yeah, I think. Yeah, um, they're finally hitting home runs again, so. Yeah, right. Yeah, after the uh, series in Boston where they hit back. Yeah, 107 for the Rays, the actually. 107 now? And the Dodgers okay. have 106, so they've almost caught them. And you don't think the ball is juiced? No, I am. I think I think there's there's something there's something about now maybe this is another possibility that the pitch clock is bothering people mm-hmm. to the extent that they're out of rhythm they're rushing the delivery they're getting too much of the plate and they're getting punished for it. No, well, we've seen like Alex Manoa, the Blue Jays, who now has been sent down to the Florida Complex League, but the complex talking league. about this pitch clock has really screwed up his head. Totally. Yeah, it's sad actually. I I, mm-hmm. I wondered if there was going to be a pitcher that would have you know the yips like that, and clearly, you know, certain people have trouble, you know, focusing on what's important. And and if, if it's something like a clock running backwards at you, and you know you got to throw the baseball, I could see how that you know if, if you were a certain mindset mm-hmm. or you know that 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 thing could just drive you nuts, and it apparently has really affected him. Um, to the extent that they they sent him that far down, but hopefully he can get it back together again. And yeah, the Rays just win, man. I mean, look, mm-hmm. the Twins are were in first place when they got here, but it's a it's a horrible division, you know. Yeah, well, they're at five hundred now. I mean, that just shows they're, they're leading the division by two and a half games. Yeah. Whereas you know, the Rays play like they're never going to lose again. Yeah. Where the Rays, really Boston, in the division's last place, and they're at five hundred. And that, yeah. that's the same record as the best team in the Central. Yeah. yeah. They're they're really good. They're really good at home. They're really good on the road. They're really good everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it, this is a special year. If they can get if they can get the bullpen straightened out, um, they've got every reason to think that they're going to win. You know, they 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 should win the American League East, man. And you get some home playoff games and and not have to play the first round. That's that's big time. That's big time for them. All right, so we're gonna we got some mailback questions today as well, mm-hmm. right? Yes, we do. Uh, coming up about the Rays, including one about the pitch clock a little bit. So even even better, that'll work too. Yeah, a fun one. Um, and then I've got a story to tell you about an East Lake High School pitcher whose name uh, you will recognize, especially his last name. I think people will recognize it, but it's a good story. All right, first I want to tell you about May Electric Solar. Let's get the business out of the way because it's important for you to save money on your electric bill. You can do that by calling them. They're a family-owned business. They've been installing solar electric systems now for 13 years. There's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection. That's for all your appliances. That's what they're calling the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all its products that conduct on-site testing. You can see what they're going to install. They will customize it specifically to your needs. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So all those people up there with the solar panels on the roof, those are Billy Mays guys. You know exactly who's doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, and preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. 
I don't know if you caught this. You know, the University of Florida has a really good baseball team, and, of course, they were able to advance to the Super Regional by beating Texas Tech, and that was on Monday. Did you catch who the starting pitcher was? It was from Eastlake High School. I'm fond of them because my son went there. Um, Ryan Slater, and he threw five scoreless innings for the Gators, which is hard to do in college baseball, let alone against a team um, like uh, uh, Texas Tech. And so now it's on to a super regional, two out of three against uh, South Carolina. If they win that, they're on to the College World Series. Uh, They have not been this far to the super regional since 2018. And what is interesting about young Ryan Slater is that he is the son of Bucks trainer Bobby Slater. You probably heard us talk about Bobby Slater with Mm -hmm. the injuries and things that happened. Bobby's been there a long time. Um, And I got to know him. Uh, obviously through the years, but also talk a lot of baseball with him, which I love to do because uh, it's my favorite sport. And and Bobby, by the way, played college baseball himself. He was an outfielder, and his his kind of his deal was baseball uh, before he became a trainer. He was an outfielder at Florida Southern, the Moccasins, which is a really good Division II program mm-hmm. that's in the same league as University of Tampa, Ecker College, all of that. Um, what's interesting about – Ryan Slater, in addition to just how well he's pitched this year, um, he won his tenth. He won his tenth game. He's ten and one. The loss he suffered was only two days earlier. Two days earlier, he went out there and gave up a two-run bomb in the eighth inning that proved to be the game uh, losing uh, runs. And then they went right back to him, man, and put him on the mound to start the game. And he goes out there and he. He throws five scoreless, and then you know the Gators jump out and win six to nothing. So it's it's a good story. But what makes it even more intriguing is this: coming out of East Lake, um, and before he got to the University of Florida, sort of that that fall before COVID, um, he had like a, a you know that ulnar uh, ligament. He had sort of a strain there. He didn't have surgery right away. Uh, but then as that thing got worse and worse, they had to do Tommy John surgery on him. So he hadn't thrown a pitch in the SEC or at the University of Florida. He's having Tommy John surgery. So his first action, then he, you know, so he was essentially redshirted his freshman year. And then last year, he, he finally got on the mound. Didn't really have a defined role. Was going to be their closer. Um, had some tough outings, but overall pitched pretty well. I think he pitched like more than 50 innings or so. Um, and they came back this year with I mean, a bigger role. What they liked about him is you could start him, you could use him as a closer, you could pretty much put him anywhere in your rotation, sort of as that, that third starter, but only only his second year in college baseball, and um, he's just done a hell of a job. But to come back from Tommy John, like your dad is a trainer, right? And so um, he, you know, the advice he was given was, just stay out of it, let the doctors, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll stay out of it. Like, well, no, I can't stay out of it. I'm like a trainer. Like, what, what am I doing? Um, but you know, so he would, he would, when he was rehabbing, Bobby's like, well, I'm an old baseball player, and I can go out there and play some long toss with him. And you know, Ryan would be, you know, flat footed throwing it 130 feet, and Bobby's taking a crow hop to get it back to him on a bounce. So then it got, it just got to be where he just, you know, had to find teammates to do it, and. uh kind of hurt his ego a little bit but anyway it's a good story and and i'm really happy for him because i you know 
the one thing the Bucks do, and I have to give them credit for this, and this started really with Jason Light, um, but I think it ramped up with Bruce Arians and now Todd Bowles as well. Anytime, you know, Bruce used to tell you, like, if you're missing a ball game or a concert or something like that uh, that your kids have and you're a coach um, or even somebody in the front office, he's like, I'll fire you. And they're like, what? Like, don't miss that stuff because Bruce missed so much with his kids coaching and all that that he'll kick them out. And, in fact, one time um, Bobby was supposed to be at a game, I think, at Eastlake, and he saw him, and he was like, what are you doing here? Get out of here, you know, and they'll chase him out of the building. So the good news is is that Bobby has been able to watch Ryan pitch. He went to the SEC tournament in Hoover, Alabama a couple weeks ago, and then uh, they hadn't quite started OTAs yet, but he missed the first three OTAs for the SEC tournament. And then on Monday, he was able to go up there and watch watch his son uh, up there in Gainesville, you know, it, uh, advance him to the Super Region. And, yes, if they win, he'll be going to the College World Series, I think. Uh, but uh, just a good story. Check it out in Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. Good to see a local guy make good, especially with what he's overcome. Now, that is not an easy injury to overcome. And, you know, to, to have it happen really before you make a pitch in the SEC and then to go out there – um, you know, with with all the question marks and all the, all all the normal doubt that you would have, and and eventually come around and dominate at at the highest level at the biggest time in the season, when they you know because if you throw five or six scoreless up in a college baseball game, that's so hard to do with the aluminum bats with just just everything right. Um, so in a big moment, he he really came up big. So I'm happy for Bobby. I know him very well. Uh, and uh, he's just a yeah, just a proud dad right now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. All right, let's get to our mailbag questions. We'll get started. All right, we'll start with the fun one that Sean had. Uh, I think he tweeted it into us. Maybe an email. Uh, the pitch clock and pickoff rules have clearly reinvigorated the game of baseball. So I'm curious. Which Major League Baseball legends would you want to see play under the current MLB rules? And he gave us his answers. He would choose Ricky Henderson and Pete Rose. Well, those are good ones. I'm trying to think of how Pete Rose would take advantage. Charlie Hustle certainly maybe stealing bases. Um, I think just the, the in, increased, the less time the pitchers have to face him. The way the he was King the play. Yeah. standing up there mauling people because they had to throw it. Yeah, I could see that. I I, I get him on Ricky Henderson uh, from a base stealing mm-hmm. standpoint. I can think of I'll Vince Coleman. You, yeah, I'll, how about Lou Brock? Yeah, Lou Brock. Tim Raines. Tim Raines. Yeah, Rock Raines would be mm-hmm. phenomenal. Um, some really fast guys that stole a hell of a lot of bases. Uh, that would be fun. The first name that came to mind to me. Mm-hmm with this question and it's different than his answers because he chose hitters yeah i would love to see greg maddox yeah he outthought the hitters as it is now they have yeah, if he had a 15 seconds 15 seconds right. for you to go wait a minute what's i mean maddox was so far ahead of 
of hitters. I mean, I've talked to to Mark Lemke. I used to work with him in Atlanta, who yep. played, you know, was an infielder, second base for those Braves teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said Maddox was incredible. Like he was, he was, he was playing chess. He was three, four, five pitches ahead of you. Mm-hmm. You know, he already knew which pitch he wanted before he threw the. He he knew his next pitch before he threw the current pitch. Like that's that's the way he thought of things. And as a hitter, mm-hmm. you knew that. But if now if if it, that if you got fifteen seconds to think and he's that far ahead of you, You're he might dominate not. even more. Right. I wonder though, and I'm. I'm throwing this out here because mm-hmm. if you watch Greg Maddox pitch, he didn't just get a couple inches off the plate. He got the whole damn batter's <laughs> box sometimes. That is true. Seriously, now, and I mean this in, with all due respect because he, you know, he didn't throw 98. I'm not even close to it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe 90, 91 at times. So he outthought you, and and I've always said this like. Velocity is the biggest change in baseball. It's great to be able to reach back and throw at 100. It seems like everybody can throw mid to upper 90s. It's stupid they can do that. But a lot of guys can hit that. A lot of guys can hit the the, the velocity in and of itself doesn't bother them. It, it, you know, hitting, if you want to get guys out, change their eye level and, and change speeds. Uh, because hitting is about timing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you don't have to throw it, you know, it's nice, like I said, if you got a 97, 98 mile an hour fastball, but it's the variance between your fastball and all the other pitches. If it's a slider, if it's a changeup, whatever. If you get guys off balance, you're going to get weak contact and sometimes no contact at all. And movement. You want the ball to be able to move. You don't want to throw things flat. And so if you got late movement, especially, they have to commit. Um, but in any case, with Maddox, you know how they have the box with the umpires now? Mm-hmm. And they go back and they grade these guys, and like in real time, you know, you'll see guys from the dugout saying, "You missed it." You know, we saw it. You missed it. You know, it was a horse bleep call, whatever. Um, that ball was three baseballs outside. If that box is existed as it does today, Greg Maddox wouldn't get those some of those pitches that were, like I said, off the plate, but not just off the plate, off the other batter's box at times. I mean, he got so much um, goodwill. Because it was a strike throw to begin with, and he painted, you know, and, and he could put it on the corner. He put it anywhere he wanted to, but but, but he man, would usually calls, he would usually hit that mitt which was set up outside. I mean, that was the yeah oh yeah the thing is no, that no. he would hit his target like he was absolutely he wasn't he missing in 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 the other batter's box. He was hitting the target. He was throwing where the guy was set up, but it was like never a strike. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> if you got two strikes on you, I promise you the last one's not coming near the plate, right? Like. You're just going to have to get a fungo or something and try to reach it because he was he was you talk about expanding the strike zone I and mean, the strike zone expanded for him. He didn't have to expand it; it was going to expand. Um, so I'm curious how how he would have fared. I'm sure he would have been the Hall of Famer that he is anyway. But um, yeah, that's uh, so. The other guys, um, see, I, the rules as they stand today, I think they benefit left-handed hitters mm-hmm. with no with no shifts. So if I could find me a really good left-handed hitter that probably was bedeviled by the shift, and of course the shifts came more into vogue, especially when uh, the Rays started doing more of it. I wonder who that would be. I mean, I, th- 
I think the biggest thing is pitching and the, the pitch clock and the bases and, and the an inability to throw over or separate from the mound more than once or twice per batter, rather. I mean, I'd have to think about it offensively. I don't know. I have to think about it. I mean, it. the shift's basically the last 10 to 15 years, so yeah, you're not going so way have to be back a modern-day guy, yeah. right? You know who would have benefited from it? I'll tell you who right now. David Ortiz. David Ortiz hit so many bullets yep. into the shift that that guy would have batted 350 and done the same thing with the power numbers. They got him out all the time. He's just such a dead flat pull hitter mm-hmm. that I don't know how many bullets he hit past the first baseman in that hole that would have been base hits. The guys were throwing him out from right field all day long. Yep. So I'll say David Ortiz would have would have yeah. would have hit a million without the shift. Speaking of left-handed hitters, and this has nothing to do with the question, but yeah. I know you saw the L.A. De La Cruz. Oh run. my God! The Reds called up their prospect, who was uh, <sighs> by some number one minor league prospect. And in the second game, crushed a home run in a beautiful swing. Uh, gorgeous. And and he almost, and I mean almost, when I say almost like top row, he nearly hit it out of the yard, like mm-hmm. out of the stadium, crushed. And that was his first, you know, hey, do it big. That was your first homer, really? What's <laughs> your, what are you doing for an encore? Um, if you see this one angle of him after he blasted, he's... I mean, it was a no doubter. Okay, the like the the bat flip and the look into the dugout, and he flashes the forty four. Um, the kid's got a little sauce to him, and he he's not only good, he knows he's great, mm-hmm. and he, and he's just starting. This is his first what two days in the big leagues. Yep, second game. He had a double I in mean, his first game. Yeah, and, and not, uh, only that, not only that, it was the hardest hit baseball by the Reds all season. All season, yeah. Well, I don't know you could hit it much harder. I mean, like yeah. I said, the damn thing is like remind me when Bull Durham went out to the mound <laughs> and said, Jesus, anything goes that far, I'd have a damn flight attendant on it, shouldn't it? Um, that's it, it was it was majestic. Majestic. He's a big dude. When did these shortstops become six four? Can I ask you that? Well, O'Neill Cruz of the Pirates is six seven. I can't fathom that. Really, I can't. And they're really we got good. NBA players playing shortstop now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know what I mean? Point, point guards. I mean, they're not, you know. But that's how athletic you have yeah. to be. They're not Nicole. You just can't not, go out uh, there because you're tall. They're not Jokic. Who, by the not way, yet. Phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I, I tell you, I watched that second half, and I don't have the stats in front of me. I didn't see him miss a shot. I may have looked away. I don't think he missed one. The guy's incredible. But um, Nuggets are up in that series, two to one. Yeah, the the whole infield thing with with these guys coming up at six four and being as fluid as they are, and and uh, but man, that guy, I think the Reds are doing it right. I I think the Reds are going to be really good in a couple of years. They got they got some good young now. prospects they've called up this year now, and uh, they do. You know, if they can just get their owner or their president, who's the son of the owner, to shut his mouth. Yeah, he's not real smart. That's for sure. Alienate your own fans at times. But, yeah, I like – I mean, what a what a superstar. Dela Cruz, you're going to be hearing that name for many, many years, I think. All right, Tommy uh, tweeted us. He says, with the Rays having the best record in baseball, do you see them getting any primetime games like Saturday Night Baseball on Fox or Sunday Night Baseball? 
You would think, but that's all driven by ratings. And quite frankly, the bigger the market, the more money you make on advertising, the better the ratings because you're going to get eyeballs. Look, I'm convinced that the Rays could almost go 152 and 10, and they still wouldn't get as much run as the Yankees, the Red Sox, the L.A. Dodgers. Um, That's the nature of television. I mean, television is about eyeballs, and the bigger the market, the more people will watch. The more people that watch, the better the rings. The better the rings, the more money you make. Um, it's, It's not about anything other than that. They are in the money-making business, and business is good. And so I don't think they're going to go out of their way ever to pump up small market teams no matter how deserving they are. Now, there will come a point, you know, where they're going to have to be on because you get in the postseason and whatnot. And probably before that, you know, I mean, maybe early on they were waiting to see if this was going to cool down, if this was, you know, maybe just a hot start that, you know, might come back to earth by the start of June, and it hasn't. Mm-hmm. So at this point, they might they might be changing their attitude a little bit because it's a fun team to watch, but but nationally, you know, baseball baseball for the most part is a regional sport, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like you watch your team, and and every team has its own sort of regional broadcast, right? And then there's there's these few national games, but it's not like. Joe Garagiola and Tony Kubek, the only time you saw a game was on Saturday or, you know, after the Superstations came aboard and, mm-hmm. you know, GN and, and TBS and stuff. Um, nowadays, you know, you, you can watch everybody. So you usually watch your guys on your local network and maybe you peek in once in a while in a national game, but it's, it's a regional sport, you know. And um, I know the ratings of, for Sunday night baseball and the Fox Saturday games are down significantly year over year. Are they year over now, year? Now, they haven't had the Yankees on a lot yet, and the next three Sunday night baseballs have the Yankees. They're the Yankees, yeah. It's the Red Sox the next two, and then I forget who they're playing the week after that. Doesn't um, matter. That they had help, them on against the, the Dodgers, Reds. too, I think. Uh, yeah, that was the Dodgers and then the two Red Sox. So that was three in a row. Yeah, this was before the Dodgers. I got you. Yankees okay. one that I read this article. Um, okay. Now, it doesn't mean the local ratings for your teams are down. No, they're probably it, great. It's these yeah. national, the the Fox and, and, and ESPN games. The TBS Tuesday night games are actually up year over year. Huh. Um, but And those are not, those games are not exclusive. So that your local market still airs those games. So Yeah. But as far as the Rays getting a Sunday night game, let's say, I mean, I'm looking at the yeah. schedule. Yeah. Maybe they pick the Braves game right before the All Star break on the ninth. Although I, they may not even do a Sunday night base, but the Futures game may be that night. I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, they don't play the Yankees on Sunday till the end of August. That's always a possibility if it's the Yankees. That's who they're going to be on with. They're going to be on with a big market team. You yeah. know, I mean, maybe, I mean really, maybe Houston just, at the end of July. I don't know. You know, some of it depends on who else is playing that weekend. If you were just looking for a great baseball series or a great game to put on national mm-hmm. TV, it'd be this weekend. It'd be the Rays and the, and the Rangers. Absolutely. I mean, those two offenses are, are ridiculous. I mean, I mean, the Rangers have scored more runs than the Rays and a bigger run differential. And both pitching and, staffs are great. And and they're both great, and they're both, you know, got tr- unbelievable records, and they're playing each other, and that series is going to be nuts. Mm-hmm. It's going to be insane. And, boy, what an entertaining series to watch. But it's not always about that. I mean, Dallas is a big market. Tampa is not as big. 
Um, and they're always going to cater New York, LA, you know, some of the, you know, some of the storied franchises and, um, the Rays will be on there sooner or later, but it's just, it's just not about that. So it's, it's a different game. All right. We'll switch uh, gears a little bit here. And mm-hmm. Kyle had tweeted, he said, could it be possible that the Tampa Bay lightning could move on from both Ross Colton and Alex Kalorn? And will they also address left-handed defensemen given the overabundance of right-handed defensemen? Had someone very close to Alex Kalorn. Well, I shouldn't say that close, maybe physically, but, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to misconstrue the nature of their friendship. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you who it is, but someone who does know Alex very well. And, and they told me that he is keenly aware, all too aware that as much as he wants to play here. And trust me, he does. He does not, does not mm-hmm. want to go anywhere except Tampa and play for the play for the lightning. But despite those desires, and they are big, he knows, knows that the money that he's going to be offered won't be something he can say no to, and that there's just no way that the Lightning can match it. I don't see, I don't see how Alex Kalorn is back. So um, the reports from some of the national guys have mm-hmm. said that the Lightning have made Alex an offer. Mm-hmm. It's a long-term deal for low AAV. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's a five-year deal at three million a year, uh, and it's me spitballing the numbers. I they yeah. haven't reported. Yeah, but yeah, he's coming off a year in which he scored twenty-seven goals. Yeah, maybe one of his best seasons ever. Definitely, yeah. You know where he's going? He could command six, seven million a year easily. Now he may not mm-hmm. get that for five years. No, because he's thirty-three but, at this point. But but how about three? Mm-hmm. How about two? Mm-hmm. So that's what you know, he has to weigh. Right. You know, he's got to decide is staying here. And, you know, he has said Tampa's his home. This is where he wants to live. Presumably yeah, where he wants to retire. Moving. He's, right. you know. Yeah. So does he want to spend two, three years in another market somewhere playing? Or would he rather take less and stay here? And, you know, I, I'll never fault a guy for going to take money. We saw it with Andre Pallott. We saw it with Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow. Yeah. You know, your careers are short. Even if you've made a lot of money in your career, your career's short. Get all you can. If you yeah. want to take money, I'm not going to fault you for that. Of course not. Now, there's guys that say, I don't need that. I'll stay here for less. I, I mm-hmm. Hey, if that's what makes you happy, that's what's important. Right. I, I, th- I, th- I think Alex will be gone, unless he just doesn't get an offer from a team he's willing to play for. Well, here's what I think I think, as Peter King would say. I think he's going to get an offer from a team because he's won Stanley Cups, mm-hmm. much like mm-hmm. the, these other guys that have gone other places, um, like Yanni Gord, um, mm-hmm. like Andre Pilat. This is what teams look for, especially mm-hmm. young and upcoming teams. They need that guy who has won Stanley Cups, that has been part of something that's been huge like the Lightning, a run like the Lightning have had. Mm-hmm. Of all those guys that I just mentioned, right, Nobody has been a bigger constant than Alex Kalorn for this franchise. Nobody has been um, more consistent and and just sort of representative of what they're all about. So to me, I could see a team overpaying him even mm-hmm. for, for, you know, like the numbers you just mentioned don't seem out of whack. But I could see a team saying, you know what, 
that's the piece we need, much like the Lightning needed mm-hmm. Pat Maroon. Um, what was what was he worth? The guy won, you know, mm-hmm. a couple Stanley Cups in a row. So I think that's what Kalorn's going to be. Kalorn is just such a a good mm-hmm. person, a good player, a solid guy, consistent as the day is long. Got all the cheat codes to winning a Stanley Cup. I I just think that you know it, the the offer is going to be too big. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 believe, I think he knows it too. Oh, I, he, I mean, he's a smart guy. He knows. Yeah, he knows. And yeah. you know, I think the team knows. Um, mm-hmm. Ross Colton, they on do. the other hand, is a restricted free agent. No he way do, he, he leaves. He does have arbitration rights. Yeah. So you don't control the money. Like most restricted free agents, you basically know what the salary is. Right. He's got arbitration rights, so he it's going to cost you more than normal. What you want. I mean, I, they're going to tender him an offer, mm-hmm. but do they trade him? Mm-hmm. Maybe. No, that's a possibility. And, and so, you know, he's a piece that you could get something back for, particularly a left-handed shot defenseman maybe. I, I think that's a possibility, sure. You know, and, and so, you know, the Lightning don't have – I mean, right now as it stands, they have $450,000 under the cap. Yeah. Now, they have six point eight something million in Brett Seabrook's contract that'll be LTIR so they can technically go over that much. So they've right. got basically 7 million to play with. They don't have a backup goalie on the roster cuz Elliot free, or Brian Elliott's a free agent. He'll probably retire, yeah. He may. So there's a million dollars to mm-hmm. for backup. You probably need another left-handed shot defenseman. You don't right. have Tanner Janot signed. Right. You don't have Alex Kalorn signed. You don't have Ross Colton signed. You don't have Corey Perry or Pierre Edward Belmar signed. Five right. guys are on your roster last year at forward. You don't sign Ian Cole's not there, mm-hmm. and so you've got seven million to sign five, six guys. And the the minimum salary is what seven fifty. Yeah, I mean you can't. I mean, so you got to do something. You know, it's possible someone's going to have to be moved out of this roster. Mm-hmm. Could it be a Ross Colton? Sure, it's possible. Could be sure. Um, you know, and and so. It'll be interesting what Julian Breezeball does. I think a lot of it depends on if, if if they have offered Alex a contract. If he if he's going to take it or wants to take it, that can that may change things too. Where if Alex comes yeah. back, you may have to get rid of Ross. Yeah, he may to make room. Yeah, you know things like that. So some of it could be hinged on on Alex's moves, right? And then what they want to do. So it'll be, it's going to be the salary cap is still a crunch this year for the lightning it starts to free up a little more next year and presumably the salary cap next year may go up 3 to 4 million really yeah so right now the salary cap should be going up a lot more than it is mm. but during covid yeah. the owners took the bite and, and didn't make the players pay a ton more in escrow mm-hmm. and so the players players are now paying the owners back yeah for what the shortfalls were during COVID. And so once that's paid off, then the salary – because the revenues up. are at record highs for the NHL right now. Yeah. So presumably maybe next year it gets paid off and the salary cap starts going up three, four, five million a year. And that and that'll and plus Steven Stamkos' contract falls off next year. Right. And, you know, I my gut on him is he'll be back, but for a much lower number than $8.5 million. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wants to play anywhere else, and I don't think he will. Right. He's also made a lot more than, say, Alex Kalorn in his career. And that leads us to another question we got. Uh, Michael had uh, tweeted us. He says, why are the Lightning all of a sudden signing a bunch of international free agents? 
And I'll take so this one. No draft, right. so, well, no draft picks, right? One, uh, this year in the draft, they have three draft picks. A six-rounder, yeah. a seventh-rounder, and a seventh-rounder. Yeah. Uh, but they signed a couple uh, uh, overseas international players. These are prob- most likely going to be players in Syracuse for the AHL. They need to replenish that. They've got a lot of players that are either free agents or restricted free agents. Some maybe they're bringing back. Some they may not. Um, okay. it, it's really to kind of replenish their AHL system. Maybe mm-hmm. they get a cup of coffee with the Lightning next year. Maybe they develop into a really good player. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, they don't have a ton of draft picks this year. So signing some international free agents is a way to kind of replenish that and, and try to, you know, you're, you're, you've got to build your minor league roster as well. So mm-hmm. so you take a chance on some of those guys. So, All right, we'll wrap up on this one. And uh, Uncle from Nintendo had tweeted us. <laughs> what? Yeah, or Uncle works at Nintendo, something like that. I didn't write it all okay. down. Okay. I love Nintendo. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Says, now with the Jaguars going forward with putting a roof over their stadium, the oh, Bucks roof. will be the only Florida NFL team without one. Will the Bucks ever install some type of roof over Raymond James Stadium? And and if you didn't see the drawings today, the Jaguars unveiled their uh, what they want to do to the stadium, including making the concourses four times as big. And it looks yeah. a lot like SoFi Stadium from the outside. There's some covering it over really not the whole field, but the stands part. Right. Um, you know, kind of like they've done at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, which is mm-hmm. what our, our uh, listener was asking about as far as the roof part goes. So would yeah. the Bucks ever consider installing that at Raymond James Stadium? Well, they have considered it, and they decided not to do it. Um, as, I, as it was explained to me, it was not a very cost-effective proposition for Raymond James. Now, I don't... I'm not an architect, thank God. Although it'd be, I think architects would be great. I'd, I'd probably do really well if I had become one. But um, from what I understand, the current configuration, it, it, it would cost way too much to just try to awning it off like that. Now, I think sort of if I looked, if I looked at what Jacksonville's doing, like it's a massive um, sort of refurb. Uh, that really did look like SoFi to me in some in so many ways. Well, I There's think they're going to shut the stadium down for two years. Is kind of the point. I mean, well, they'll have to. That's how it's much too big of a project. That's how much of yeah. an overhaul it is. Yeah, it's a complete. It, it reminds me a little bit of what, and it doesn't look like this, but it reminds me of the kind of uh, job that they did on Soldier Field, which was essentially, you know, they kept the original old facade of Soldier Field, historic Soldier Field. And they and it looked like they landed a spaceship around it, um, but they added concourses and and sort of built their infrastructure around the existing stadium. That's kind of what it looks like Jacksonville's doing. And and um, there's going to be huge breezeways and open air. And yeah, there'll be there'll be covered coverage for the fans, um, but it's bigger than just sort of what Miami did. Uh, Miami kind of got a temporary fix just to cover you know, the crowd and stuff uh, with the awnings or whatever you want to call those things. Bucks looked into that, and I was told anyway that, yeah, that would not that would not be a cost-effective move. I've said this. I don't there, – there's no one – this is not policy. No one's told me this. You have to believe that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in due time, we're talking about probably, I don't know, if it's years or days, um, they're going to want a new stadium. 
And even though they've poured a ton of money into this one and it's still very functional, um, the, the, you know, sort of the longevity of these stadiums are about where they're at right now. You know, um, the Georgia Dome was turned, torn down after 20 years, et cetera. Uh, the Raymond James was built in 1998. So we're right there. And so it may not be this year or next year or the year after, but like in due time, they're going to want more. And, and, and I think, I, I think a couple of things, I think one stadium capacity, seating capacity is going to get smaller. Um, but I think the amenities will be big and, and, you know, I love the breezeway concept. You're going to have to cover fans. If, you know, it's so dang hot. More than likely, though, if I were just been around the NFL and sort of looked and seen what the new stadiums and architecture is, you'd love to have what they have at SoFi. Probably cost too much money. Um, you, you, you wouldn't do a retractable because, again, it's not cost effective. There's not enough days or dates. Uh, that you would need that thing closed or open to begin with. The biggest thing, I think, is sort of what U.S. Bank did in Minnesota. Now, they're there. They're trying to keep people out of the cold. But uh, very airy, very glass, uh, a lot of natural light coming in, A essentially a domed or a roofed stadium. I think that's what we're going to end up with here in Tampa. I could be wrong as rain, um, but... You know, if they can do something with the awnings, great. It's just so it's so hot. Like you know, in California, um, not a big of a deal. Obviously, Jacksonville, not not any hotter than it is here. So if they can pull it off, maybe that's the way the Bucks will go at some point. But I, I do think that Raymond James, they'll get to the point where they'll go. You know what? We've we've put so much money into this, 160 million. I think they did of their own money, and it's uncomfortable. I mean, it is damn uncomfortable for fans until you get to late October, early November. It just is. And uh, uncomfortable for players, too. Um, but the stadium, Raymond James is not going to be there forever. Uh, there's land there, though, and much like they built Raymond James while the old sombrero was still standing, and then they tore it down and made it a parking lot, you would then do the reverse, and then you know where Raymond James ends would become a parking lot, and then the parking lot open area would become the new construction for the stadium, I think. Um, but we're a long way from that. Maybe not as long as some people think. And, uh, I, but as far as pure awnings go or adding, adding coverage for the fans been looked into by the bucks. And I've been told not cost effective. They're not going to do it on that stadium. All right. Great questions. You can always send your mailbag questions to us anytime. Uh, sometimes we call for them, but basically we're happy to read them on the air for you. Uh, you can do that by sending them to us on at sports day TV Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Afternoon game, final game of the series against the Twins. Uh, the Rays will wrap that up and go for the sweep. And then the Bucks wrapping up their final OTAs as well. They begin their mandatory mini camp. Is Devin White coming? It's mandatory. That's all we got. Uh, and that'll be, of course, uh, June 13th through the 15th. Next week, we're almost almost to the point of where there is no football for a few weeks and then they'll crank it back up uh, you know of course for for training camp at the end of july and august in the um, hall of fame game and all of that so that's coming up before you know it thanks for listening we'll be back tomorrow for steve burst and gummer the Tempe times have a great day everyone imagine the 
softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.